And now, time to get in the huddle with your host, Charles Prodger Ritchie, here on the Mass Steel Podcast. Hey, you blink, I'll cut your eyelids off. Don't you blink. Let's go. You get where you feel like you can rush the quarterback. You understand? Rush the quarterback. Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. And hello, Steeler Nation. Uh, welcome to a very special Sunday edition here of the Mass Steel uh, podcast right now. As we are a day away from when the legal negotiations could start beginning for NFL free agency. Uh, it will begin uh, tomorrow, uh, March the 14th, uh, up to the cutoff time of Wednesday, March 16th at 4 o'clock Eastern time, uh, which then at that time, the new league, new league year will start for the 2022 NFL season. It is St. Patty's Day weekend right now, and uh, right now on the line join me. Hopefully uh, Steelers can strike some gold here in the near future, but uh, pleasure to be joined right now by a frequent uh, guest on 93.7 The Fan, occasionally, especially in the Cook and Joe show. And he also covers the Steelers as their beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm talking about another than Ray Finapaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can follow him on Twitter at RayFit1. You can check out a lot of his uh, tweets. And if you guys uh, want to see more of his articles on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, uh, feel free to subscribe. Ray, uh, is a pleasure having you on here today. I thank you very much. Uh, how are you and what's happening, my man? Oh, nothing much. Glad to be on your show. And uh, I guess it's the uh, all before the storm. Uh, I got a feeling I'm going to be real busy this week, but uh, I guess another 24 hours or so before um, free agency begins. And really, for the first time in a long time, viewers have a lot of cap space and as you know, they got a ton of fill, kind of needs to fill on both offense and defense. So I, I think they're going to be active. Yeah, I definitely feel like they're going to be active, but maybe not as so much as many uh, Steeler fans would think. I mean, to be honest with you, they seem pretty consistent. Kevin Colbert was saying, too, uh, he's saying that they never spent this much before in the past, but at the same time, too, I mean, this is a different offseason right now. Uh, real quickly, uh, before we go any further into the free AC uh, period, let's just kick it off right now. Uh, Kevin Colbert, uh, he is pretty much going to be stepping down, but he insists that this is not a retirement as he has stated before. He still wants to be somewhat of a consultant to the team. And then the hiring process with the GM won't probably happen until like soon after the draft, maybe a little bit longer. We'll wait and see. But a guy who's been around here for 22 years, uh, a storied uh, Hall of Fame legacy in our books, watching what he's uh, built together. One name that seems very interesting to me uh, when I look at it is uh, Lewis Riddick, uh, the former Monday Night Football analyst, since uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be filling that void on Monday Night Football, the new announced team. Surely he'll be looking for a job soon if it's not going to be on TV. But for right now, uh, can you tell me if you're hearing anything latest on the Steelers uh, GM, like as far as can being narrowed down? And what would you think of a guy like Lewis Riddick bring on board the fill that void if they go in that direction? 
Yeah, sure. I, it's been pretty quiet on the GM front for maybe a week or 10 days. They went through a period there um, for about two weeks where they were interviewing, you know, four or five candidates each week, and then they were letting letting us know, you know, who those candidates were. And, um, uh, so it seemed like they were on a pretty steady schedule as far as the interviews, <laughs> excuse me, go. Um, but it has slowed down here. As you know, they're ramping up towards free agency, and then after that, they're going to be ramping up towards the draft. So, I, you know, you're right. This isn't going to take place, you know, until uh, probably a week or so after the draft. I would guess first or second week of May or really will get around to naming a guy. Um, what I still think is going to be Brandon Hunt or Omar Khan. But as you know, you know, Lewis Riddick is one of 10 or 12 candidates that they brought in here. So they're doing their homework, they're doing their due diligence on these guys, and they're trying to find the best candidate. But, you know, the way the Steelers do things, um, you know, just seems like it's going to be an in-house hire, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. You know, everyone thought that, um, you know, it was going to be Russ Grimm's job back in 2007, and Mike Tomlin kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe something similar will happen this year. But uh, if I had to guess right now, uh, you know, I, I still think it's Hunt and Omar, but uh, we'll see where that goes. And a lot of things, too. I know the Steelers have been kind of criticized as of late, especially in the media, too, and more so by fans who religiously follow this team. And historically, too, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, too, they're not always big spenders. I mean, they're close to about $30 million, close up to like $90 million, too. Uh, Mark Caballi of The Athletic also pointed out, too, when you do some restructures, but let me ask you real quickly, what would you say would be like the difference where the Steelers were at the end of Bill Cowher's run before it transitioned to Mike Tomlin, where they went to three more Super Bowls, had some legitimate playoff success, then you had the Killer B era for that brief, what was it, like I want to say five-year period right there when they had the triple threat together. What do you feel like uh, changed all of a sudden to where they're barely – you know, cracking the tip of the iceberg or just getting into the playoffs, being shut out right away. I mean, do, do you feel like some ways it's kind of off track? And what optimism would you say, say for Steel Nation fans to believe otherwise when the game has changed? Well, I think first and foremost, when Ben retired, I think – everyone has to realize that there's going to be a transition period. And that doesn't mean the Steelers aren't going to be contenders. You know, there's there's a scenario out there where they can put together a, a very good defense and a good running game, and, you know, they can be competitive like they were in the mid-'90s with a quarterback like Neil O'Donnell. Um, so, you know, it's, it's happened before, but I think any time you go through a stretch, and listen, Steelers went through a stretch from 1983 – really until 2004, where they couldn't find their next guy, right? I mean, it was Mark Malone, it was David Woodley, Cliff Stout. You know, they went to a Super Bowl with O'Donnell. They went to some championships games with Cordell Stewart, but they never had that franchise guy that they felt like could lead them to a Super Bowl. So until that guy is in place, again, um, you know, there, there's going to be some uncertainty but. I think they have the roster um, with guys like T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're not going to fall off the face of the earth. They're, they're still going to be a competitive 
football team. But as you know, quarterbacks are so important. And that's why I think everyone is focused uh, not only on the draft this year, uh, but also free agency. They're trying to figure out what's next and who's next after Ben Roethlisberger. But also, too, to add to that, I mean, you talk about those mid-90s Steelers right there, too, when Bill Cowher was that guy who took over for Chuck Noll, uh, helped get them back on track. Obviously, Chuck Noll was, you know, being pressured, like, towards the end of his career. I mean, as they always say, I mean, ever since, like, Bradshaw left, I mean, they made the playoffs only, like, two other times uh, since his retirement and only have at least, like, I think a pair of playoff victories. But still, I mean, they have – a a period of dark times for playoff losing. And then to see Bill Cowher get that transition to Mike Tomlin right now, would it be say, fair to say, too, as far as the people who they want to bring in, as far as go after in a draft or free agency, it's more focused on characters more so than anything, despite the skill set? Because people are still going to be pointing, you know, why didn't you have the opportunity to trade for a guy like Aaron Rodgers right now? They could put you back on track in championship mode. The Sean Watson is another story. I mean, he's just been found uh, legally not guilty. He ain't going to be facing any punishment except pending for a civil uh, case coming up uh, for the women allegation, but still good enough to be any team would want to take a look at him. Uh, the Cleveland Browns were mentioned just recently, but it seems like they're sticking with Baker Mayfield. Fair to say that they prefer characters more so than anything as opposed to skill set. Once again, follow him on Twitter at RayFit1. Uh, Check out all his articles at Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Remember, if you guys want to read a little bit more, you would have to subscribe uh, to that. 
But uh, continuing along the way, too, and I'm looking at your most uh, recent article, too, uh, you, at least three out of the top five. You got split in half down the middle, five being on the offense, and then the last five on defense. But three out of the five, interestingly enough, as we know, the obvious uh, elf in the room has been the offensive line, like you're mentioning right now. Three out of the five are listed as guards. But starting off number one, uh, looking at center Ryan Jensen, uh, formerly of the Ravens and Super Bowl champion uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. How much would you say of that is an indictment of not only Kendrick Green, but J.C. Hosnauer right now? I mean, since obviously feeling the loss and retirement of Mar- Marquise Pouncey over a year ago, how, how vital is that star position to get uh, fixed right away? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting decision. Uh, listen, they, they were never counting on Hosnauer to be a starter. Um, you know, he, he's a good backup, a good guy play center and guard, but well, as far as Kendrick Green goes, you know, he played mostly guard in college. They thought he could make the transition to center. It didn't really work out all that well as a rookie last year. So he struggled. It was obvious. Um, you know, it looked like maybe he was a little bit small. Uh, maybe it looked like he wasn't strong enough at times. So whatever they do, they got to figure out whether he plays guard or center they got to figure out from a technique standpoint, can you block these interior defensive line? Because honestly, playing center is one thing, but playing guard, you're, you're going to be going up against the same guys too. So from a technique standpoint, I know he's working hard in the weight room. We, we see, see the videos on Instagram and stuff. He's got to get stronger. So you like his versatility. And honestly, I think he could go either way, you know, if they go out and hit a home run and get a guy like Ryan Jensen, okay, Kendrick, you're going to be a guard. You're going to compete with Kevin Dodson or a draft pick, and we'll see, you know, may the best man win. But if they don't get a guy like Jensen and the better options are at guard, same with James Daniels or another guy who's out there, then you could say, okay, we're going to, we're going to go out and get a guard and Kendrick, we're going to expect you to be better in year two say so they do have options. They like the versatility. And I think it's just a matter of who they can sign and who they can draft. And speaking of which, too, as we uh, look back at the quarterback position once again, and one day I'm hearing an awful lot of over here since, you know, quite frankly, myself has been here in Chicago uh, looking at former Bear Mitch Trubisky right now, who actually spent a season behind uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, learning other uh, dab- dabble, uh, as a offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, I believe it was. But if they bring in a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who's probably be around like $10, $11 million, seems to be like the cheaper option as opposed to guys like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, even Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's still coming off of uh, surgery right now. I think he's had, said they have shoulder surgery, if I'm not mistaken. If they bring in a guy like Mitch Trubisky, would that signal to you that this team is kind of being built around for this year, even though they still have Mason Rudolph building around Najee Harris right now. Because Mason Rudolph, I would still would tend to believe he'd still be the guy on their center just for quarterback competition. Are they sending a message for right now that, you know what, we don't have that many attractive quarterbacks in free agency or the draft. Let's just build around Najee with this offensive line for the time being. What would you say of that? I mean, honestly, I, I think what they're looking to do is they're looking to bring some competition in 
to push masonry it also and to push point houses. Same. Um, you know, they, they, they like Mason. He's been around, but they don't really know what he is at this point. Um, you know, second year, he, he's forced to come in when Roethlisberger gets injured. Um, you know, there was some good in there, but there was a lot of bad, too. So um, I don't think they want to judge him, you know, based on what he did two years ago. I, I think they'd like to find out about him. But if you can get a guy like Mr. Trubisky or a guy like Marcus Mariota who can come in and challenge him, and they win a competition fair and square, then, again, you would have options. And as you know, Art Rooney isn't in this to uh, – tear things down and to rebuild. That's just not, you know, in the Steelers' DNA, that's not the way they operate. So um, they're going to try to win. They're going to try to find the best quarterback um, to lead this offense. And, you know, that's where they're going. Of course, Najee Harris is going to be a big part of it. Uh, of course, the offensive line, if they get their uh, some new players in here, which I think they will in free agency, and the draft. Of course, that's going to be a big part of the quotient as well. But I just think right now they're looking for good competition. Um, you know, they want to have a competitive training camp where those guys are competing every single day. And I think by doing that, I think they believe they'll find a good starter once that's all over. Top 100 picks in the draft right now. It's still pending right now. The Steelers are going to get a uh, fourth round pick for the loss of Bud Dupree. Look at over the cap.com right now. If the Steelers are to get awarded with a uh, a fourth-round pick, it looks like it's be the number 105th pick overall in the draft. But uh, as far as the draft going on right now, the Steelers, uh, that is going in right now. They're going to be starting off 20th overall in the first round, 52nd in the third – I mean, the second round – and A4 from the third round, if you had the or the priorities as far as the first three picks, would you go offensive lineman, quarterback, uh, it's interior lineman, where it's the inside linebacker or defensive tackle, or would you go corner, uh, lineman, guard? What would you say position-wise be uh, one through three? Uh, where would you rank that as far as what you see in drafting, how it plays out? Yeah, I think in terms of their needs, uh, I would say, you know, certainly quarterback, offensive line, defensive line. But uh, even when I say that, I don't think Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis is going to fall to number 20. And then I think there's a drop-off after that. So if you're asking me where I think this is going for the Steelers, I think first round, probably trending offensive line or defensive line. Um Listen, you mentioned corner. I agree with you. It's probably going to be a big need for them. They just haven't drafted and developed corners all that well. They've actually had more success trading for guys or picking guys up in free agency. So I don't know if corner isn't playing the first round. So, you know, offensive line, defensive line, corner, receiver, quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I could see them going all those different directions in the first three to four rounds. Um, the only long card for me, guys, is if Willis or Pickett is there at 20, then you got to make a decision, right? But if they're not, then I, I just think you take the best player available, uh, position of need, whether that's guard, center, tackle, um, uh, maybe 
maybe even corner too. So you you, you got to make that call. But like I said at the top, I don't think Pickett or Willis is going to last till twenty. If it's not going to be Pickett or Willis, like what name is coming to mind for quarterback more particularly, which is a million-dollar question right now in a lot of people's minds, who would you say would uh, seem to, like, be at the top of your list then if it goes, like, a little bit later? Probably someone like uh, Matt Forrell of Ole Mississippi, who was actually, by the way, he was great as most pure pocket passer right there. He has, like, about the third most uh, passing yards among the top five prospects. Uh, graded with a pretty respectable grade, 6.4, where he could be a plus, or he could be a good starter within two years. If it's uh, not him, who would you have in mind right now these prospects would be like a Desmond Ritter, a Sam Howe? Who would it come if it's not Picker or Willis then? Yeah, I mean, for me, Corral or Ritter, um, I'm not a big Howe fan. Uh, you know, I know he started out well in North Carolina, but he didn't play as well as Pickett um, in his last couple of years there. So, um, like to me, it's like it's not a consideration when I take those guys in the first round. More than more than anything, it's okay if, if Desmond Ritter falls to you at number fifty-two, then do you take a flyer, uh, you know, on him at that point? Um, same with Corral. I don't. I don't think Corral is going to fall all the way to fifty-two, but. Yeah, I, I think like most people, there's probably a little bit of a drop-off after Pickett and, and Willis. And, you know, you could see maybe 20 or 30 picks go by before that next quarterback is taken. So, uh, it, to me, if, if Willis or Pickett isn't there, I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first round. But, again, somebody falls to the second round that, you know, you have a high grade on, then maybe you get some value there. and Maybe you take a flyer on that in round two. Yeah, real quick before I let y'all here, I just want to just say thank you once again for squeezing the time is for the last topic. So uh, before I get y'all here real quickly, now we're in this period right now. It's been quite a while. Uh, ben Brosberg retiring since, as we mentioned earlier in the show, to start off. Remember, the bridge from Terry Bradshaw to Ben Brosberg legitimately, uh, 11 quarterbacks they had to go through in that time period. Uh, earlier on before they got to uh, 20 years later. And that list would include uh, Cliff Stout back in 1983. Then you have Mark Malone for four seasons from 84 to 87. Bobby Brister for three years. Then you had Neil Donald, of course. Everyone will still remember him for the Super Bowl 30 uh, meltdown right there with the turnovers. Then you had Mike Tozic for the one season. Slash Cordell Stewart for about a five-year uh, period. And Tommy Max, believe it or not, for two years. As an all-time stealer, where would he be on your list? Because I got my list. Uh, I want to hear what you guys say first in this one, please. Yeah, I mean, for and me, top five, I'm going to go. Top, not top four. I want to do top five. What do top five? Yeah, what were your for names? Me, for me, uh, listen, it's Brad Roethlisberger, 1A and 1B. Uh, so, like, all yeah. positions is what I'm talking about. All the stealer greats, just, just so I'm not throwing you off.
Uh, well, no, I was talking about Steelers players. I'm sorry. I I, I, I threw you off. My, my bad. I mean, Steelers players, like all positions, not just necessarily oh. the quarterback. I'm so sorry. I apologize for that. That's what I was talking about. Oh, I got you. Okay. I mean, I would say, it was, for me, I think it would be hard for you to plan into the top five there. I mean, you got Bill Green, Franco Harris, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Bell Blunt. I mean, I can go on and on. Um, and it's hard to, you know, position players and quarterbacks. I mean, it's kind of hard to differentiate there. But I think all times, yours history, I'd definitely go Ben top 10. I'm just, I'm just not sure if that had to get into my top five. Well, I tell you what. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, believe it or not, be ready to uh, brace yourself. I'm going to go meet Joe Green, number one. I mean, he is all-time the greatest, like, stealer all-time, aside from the original Mr. Steeler, he's Stoutner. So that's number one for me. Two, I'm going to give it to Ben Brousper. He belongs number two on that list. Why? Because of the longevity. He's had the longest tenure career amongst any Steeler, played the most seasons. And when you consider the drop-off between, like I said, Terry Bradshaw and Ben Rosberger. Yeah, Bradshaw's got two more rings. He's got the franchise's only league MVP. That's only one in Steelers history, but they got defensive player of the years go around that. I think Ben Rosberger, just for how much he had to last and the numbers he put up, especially playing the time he's played through and the, uh, the beings he has to take. I will go number three, Franco Harris, a uh, great running back, but – the immaculate reception was a game changer for that franchise right there. That signaled the end of the lovable loser Steelers at that point. Even though they were starting to have some good winning football at that point, they showed they could be big time winners in the playoffs. Luck was on their lay luck was on their side going from that point on. Or I will go with Jack Lambert. Uh just that damn good in my opinion and well respected uh in Steelers lore and NFL uh history. And number five, I go with Troy Palomalo because of how elusive he was. Listen, those 70 Steelers will always be great from that Steel Curtain dynasty, but I think there's a few guys you could move out of the way and make room for in today's game. I would think of Rob Woodson, but Rob Woodson did leave in free agency to go eventually to the Niners win his ring with the Ravens. I think there's something to be said for a guy like Troy Palomalo who made a pick six in the AFC Championship game to get them to the Super Bowl as opposed to one year, Rob Woodson had missed most of the season because of a knee injury. They did it without him. What would you say of that list? I think it's, I think it's a good list. And with the Steelers, it's almost like there's no way you can go wrong, right? Because, you know, I can argue Jack Ham over Ben Roethlisberger because yeah. a lot of people say Jack Ham um, and Lawrence Taylor are two of the greatest outside linebackers of all time, right? So that, that's the great thing. I mean, it, it, it's a great sort of, uh, you know, talk show topic, and, you know, something to debate, but uh, nothing at all wrong with your list. Uh, maybe I'm just, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50. Maybe I'm more biased towards the Steelers of the 70s, but Ben, Troy, um, all those guys from the last two Super Bowl teams, they deserve their due as well. Exactly. Well, hey, uh, Ray, I just want to say thank you once again uh, for uh, squeezing the time. I know I kept you a little bit uh, longer than what was originally, but appreciate you uh, explaining this just a little bit, just getting to that conversation right now. And I uh, really do love uh, seeing your articles online and hearing your voice 
frequently on 937 the fan special. It's always great to hear your take on the Steelers uh currently in today's ties. You're really uh, one of the legit guys out there. Thank you very much. All right, Ray, well yeah, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Continue to stay safe and uh let's enjoy a nice, uh, beautiful St. Patty's Day weekend, some spring weather coming up. Thanks again, my man. Okay, take care. And that was uh, Ray Fittipaldo, once again, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Once again, you guys can follow him on Twitter at RayFit1. Uh, We're streaming on Facebook Live only today, as you guys can see right there. Uh, man, some good stuff right there. Uh, obviously, I, I don't blame him for still listing a little bit more players, Steelers players from the 70s, of course. That's probably arguably one of the top three dynasties, if not the greatest championship dynasty, yellow and Super Bowl dynasty of all time, winning four in that decade. And just the precedent they set. I mean, we, we talked earlier, I mean, about this team. I mean, characters. I mean, listen, the killing thing about this too, and I, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I know we, I said this in the past, but when Steeler Nation and fans let this sink in too, and people in the media, they had the offensive style team that leagues are trying to play to today. I mean, listen, the Killer Bees recently, as an example, I mean, you had a time right there where it's like, how did you not make a Super Bowl run in that time? I mean, what did they really have to show for it? They made four seasons in a row in the playoffs. I mean, at that span, but still came up – Short, they could only make it as high as to the AFC Championship game back in 2016. It should have been back-to-back years in the AFC Championship game. If not for the injuries uh, to guys like Le'Veon Bell, especially Antonio Brown, Percy of Dante's perfect. But again, I mean, that was a special time. I mean, as speaking of Antonio Brown, I don't know if anyone got to see the recent interview with uh, Ryan Clark and Antonio Brown, along with uh, – Channing uh, Fry, I believe, or Channing Crowther, and uh, one other guy, former Dolphin, I think it's uh, Chad Brown, on the pivot. But, man, that was some good stuff right there. I mean, listen to those guys make their talk. Uh, basically, talking about Antonio Brown's uh, career right now, including, like, the fallout, too, they had, I mean, with, you know, like, the going from the Steelers to the Raiders to the Patriots to the Bucks right there. I'll be honest with you, too. I mean, it was nice to see Antonio Brown open up that way. I mean, I know he's had his blow-offs in the past. I mean, I really do want to see this guy succeed and have another opportunity. But at some point, too, I mean, when you talk about how, like, tell Mr. Rooney that, you know, I see how Steelers veterans in the past get treated. It's like, I don't want to be one of those people. I asked for my you know, release, and they agreed. He goes out to the Raiders, had a chance to earn about $30 million right there. But because of the camaraderie and stuff right there, too. And then, of course, we all heard the storylines, too, with the helmet that he was going to need to be replaced by the league uh, because the NFL could be liable, stuff where it happened to him. But he goes, gets his way out of Raiders, Oakland Raiders franchise at the time. And gets released and signs on with Brady and the Patriots only reunite with him and the Bucks. Uh, listen, I, I understand, you know, he's his own man. He doesn't need people, like, watching over him. But you got to understand one thing, Antonio. And I, and I truly don't want to take this the wrong way. But Brian Clark is right on 
a lot of points right there. You got to understand something, especially when you're with the Steelers at that time, people are going to be looking at you with higher expectations and a little bit more accountability. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But for right now, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I saw this guy right now. I mean, it was nice seeing him open up a little bit more. He was a little bit delusional in some of his points throughout that uh, interview. You can check it out on uh, YouTube. It debuted a couple of days ago. I, want, I just saw it Friday evening. I uh, fell asleep for like first 24 minutes, but saw the whole thing last night. But feel free to check that out uh, coming up. But uh, anyway, like I said, too, I think for the Steelers right now, that's where they need to go. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong either way. Again, quarterback, to me, it's not that much of a priority this season. I do not mind waiting a year and getting players that's going to help this team right now because at the end of the day, guy like Ed Bouchette, he's right. No matter who you put in center, if you had Russell Wilson coming over here or Aaron Rodgers, you don't think that offensive line is going to be an issue? I mean, the protect? I mean, listen, the Steelers didn't make no offers as far as huge compensation. They're not going to give up. They're not going to push heaven and earth to get this guy on his team. Not happening, either of them. I had a brief hope for a moment. I put on Twitter and Instagram, but still, things change. But real quickly, uh, before I close out, I must say right now, uh, for Monday Night Football, I cannot wait. Uh we're going to be seeing, uh, as announced, uh, as uh, Joe Buck is going to ex- expect to leave. Uh, no, he's leaving Fox to go on to ESPN to join Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football uh, for the new announced team right now. And that has been this for for a lot. I mean, well, it's potential, excuse me. But anyway, I mean, for Joe Buck to, like, uh, if he is if able to, like, uh, officially go on, like, leave right now and uh, join that broadcast crew uh, for the moment. Yeah, I mean, to, for ESPN, wow. I, I, I must say right now, that would be a huge loss beyond. And uh, for right now, because – he is supposed to be leaving Fox Sports ESPN, where will become the voice of Monday Football, and with his tag team partner Troy Aikman. It's not a done deal yet, but Fox right now, Buck has one year and nearly ten million dollars remaining on his contract, and Fox uh, for right now is laying him out early as a gesture for his years of service to the company. He expected to sign a contract in the five year. 60 to $75 million range with PSPL according to sources. Fox did try to keep Buck with an offer of $12 million per year, but man, I tell you what, Monday Night Football, no disrespect to soon to be potential candidate, Lewis Riddick. I enjoyed him. I thought he was better of the, t- of the three on that uh, trio with Brian Greasy. And then, of course, uh, I forget the other guy's name, but still, that, that uh, announced he needed to go. Monday Night Football was last legit when you had Al Michaels, John Madden. I like Mike Tirico in fairness. Mike Tirico and John Gruden. Though John Gruden has his issues with the racial comments, but still, it was good for TV the way he electrified Monday Night Football. I thought he was a valuable voice. But to have guys like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, especially, too, which makes a lot of sense, too, 
They call night games too, aside from playoff games, especially Thursday night games. They gotta believe they got their uh, their uh, warm ups on the football side. Joe Bugs no stranger to primetime uh, nightly uh, baseball games on Fox. I'd be wondering what's gonna happen with there. So if he's leaving Fox all there and, and no more filling, uh, you know, Fox baseball, that would be a huge thing to consider right there. Uh, for right now. I mean, they're looking at uh, Kevin Burkhart as far as like one of the potential replacements. And I think right now with uh, former Bears uh, tight end, Greg Olson to be uh, Joe Buck's uh, replacement. So Ke- Kevin Burkhart, he's an internal favorite to replace uh, Fox for the NFL as their lead broadcast broadcaster. And I would think too that Greg Olson would probably be that guy right alongside with him. We'll see. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll see if Greg Olson gets uh, promoted to that position uh, from the B squad to the A team. But anyway, that's going to do it for this edition here on the Mass Steel Podcast. Once again, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Mass Steel CGR and on Instagram at Mass Steel Nations. I leave you. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. Here we go, sirs. Here we go. I got it.